Welcome back, everybody. This is the podcast for cultural reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. We want to help you think about culture in a way that honors God and that brings every thought captive to King Jesus. And we're here today with the second half of my interview with Mike Keeson. Mike talks about Reverend Kevin DeYoung and his recent comment on the idolatry of the family. We talk about the relationship of the family to the church and the role that the family plays in the life of the institutional church. He draws some insights from Jesus' relationship to his mother and brothers, and we talk about the role and the place of single people in the church. I hope you enjoy it, and please remember to like, comment, and subscribe. That really helps us a lot. Yeah, so Kevin DeYoung, he recently uh, gave a, a sermon or a lecture where he was he was talking about, one, one of the things that he said was to... Uh, to caution about the danger of the idolatry of the family yeah. uh, and I mean it's a this was a, a much broader context I haven't heard the entire sermon but uh, what, uh, what 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 do we make of this phrase coming from from a reformed pastor and in in our day and age where so many like where the, the very legal definition of family is being hacked to bits so first of all, um, I've really appreciated um, Kevin's work over the years. Uh, I think his book, Whole in Our Holiness, is uh, a really worthwhile read. It's one of the few living people I read. <laughs> I usually like to read dead people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I would also suggest that he is making that comment as an insider, not an outsider. So from what I know of him and some of the comments I've heard him make in sermons and in his writing, I would presume that he is ministering in an area that is probably ahead of the curve or at least ministering with a context, with a framework himself that is ahead of the curve within most evangelicalism uh, to resource the family, focus on the family, and um, be sincere about family discipleship and family worship. So I would see his comment as an insider looking around the room at people who are serious about the family um, cautioning them not to elevate the family beyond its purposes. And I would say that I agree with him wholeheartedly on that point. I, I work with a church of homeschoolers or Christian schoolers. Um, we uh, have accepted the label family integrated. It just means that anybody who has a great hope for their family and wants to see their family thrive in a different way than when they look around regular evangelicalism or normal evangelicalism, mm -hmm. um, which I know you're smirking. That means that by definition, I'm abnormal, which you've wanted to say this whole time. No, no, no. I I'm, get that. I'm, uh, it's a smirk of identification. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're um, a homeschooling family ourselves, as you know. Totally. Yeah. So yeah, you know what it's like, right? So uh, we've kind of accepted that posture of we have two heads. It's okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, Yet, 
the downside of that environment is that families can live as islands. And all of a sudden, the church's authority and a motivation to express all of this hard work we've done in our homes, but to actually live it out in the life of the church, all of a sudden, the family becomes an excuse to not do anything. Hmm. I'm just going to parent my children. They're going to become great Christians, but I'm not going to invest in the life of the church because that's too difficult. It's too complex. And we are slipping into a bit of family worship. So it's interesting in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 3, verses 20 to 34, there is actually a story that Mark actually has two stories and he sandwiches the one story in the middle of the other story. And um, the first story is that Jesus's family hear about all of the crowds and they hear that, you know, he, him and his disciples are out ministering and that they're, that they're even in situations where it's so crowded that they can't even eat. And Mark tells this story. When the family heard about this, they went to take charge of him for they said he's out of his mind. So here is a family and we can read in all of the loaded family questions. You know, the brothers who are not yet believers going, who does Jesus think he is? The mother thinking he's ministering beyond his capacity how could he put himself at such risk? Um, you could just go through and ask the normal protective family questions that we ask. He's going to get trampled on. You know, the brothers are like, man, I'm, I'm tired of the perfect boy getting the crowds now. There's just so many loaded family license ideas that we could have in that. And then Mark totally forgets about the family you know, he leaves them hanging. They went out to get him. And then he teaches about, he, he tells a story about how Jesus taught about the kingdom. You know, how can Satan drive out Satan? A, a kingdom, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And Jesus teaches them, you know, not to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, not to reject him. He teaches them, you know, that, that he's the strong man who has to come and bind Satan up and, and rob him of all of his power. And that they should know all of this because Satan doesn't drive out Satan. All of the miracles he's doing is evidence. Then it ends. And we go to the rest of the story. It says, then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. And standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. Now, I don't know about you. But I've never studied this intercalation before where Mark sandwiches one story in the middle of another story. Mm -hmm. But his family sets out to say, you're out of your mind. Then Jesus confronts the, the Pharisees and says, you, you be careful. You've got no reason to oppose Christ. Satan isn't, is, you know, Satan doesn't drive out Satan. Uh, uh, there has to be a strong man to go in, you know, and rob the house, and I am that strong man, and don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you know, have your sins forgiven. And then we come back, and his tantrum 
ha- I don't what do you call that, tantrum-having family, his temper tantrum family, is sitting outside kind of, you know, stomping their foot yeah. saying, <laughs> Jesus, you get out here right now. And I'd never seen that before in the story. I'd always wondered, why was Jesus so harsh to his mom and his brothers? But Jesus is inside saying, let me make something very clear. In the same ways that the Pharisees oppose us, right now, my beloved mother and brothers are standing outside and they're in some way right now opposing my ministry. And he says, looking at those seated in the circle around him, he said, here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And so he categorically reminds us that blood is never thicker than baptism water. He he reminds us that our biological relationships are never, um, or better yet, our biological relationships are always subservient to our covenant relationships. We can see that within marriage, where now I've made a covenant with my wife. Now my mom and my dad are not that important. They're important, but they're not that important. And even more so than that covenant is if I make a covenant with God, which he invites me to do to have forgiveness, to have eternal life, to live the full, fulfilled life of the gospel. He says, this covenant takes priority over your blood. And so I just finished preaching that sermon like four or five weeks ago in my homeschooling church with the same heart that Kevin DeYoung would have in his situation saying, look, we love the family. We want the family to thrive. But if there's ever a time when your family is asking you to not do the will of God, you do the will of God in the same way that Peter stood before the Sanhedrin, not talking to his family, but but talking about how we give account to God, not men. So there's not that much tension. There's enough tension there. You've got family members who are going to hold you back, and my covenant relationship to God is first. But that doesn't mean that for some reason then the family isn't this God-ordained, effective disciple-making I was going to say factory, but I don't like that metaphor. Yeah, yeah. Let's find a better metaphor. Disciple making. Their children, their animals, disciple making uh, farm. Mill. <laughs> we want to put them through the grinder, the mill. Yeah. Yeah. So I've watched that video that you were referring to, and I think that his comments are well taken. They just have to be not used as a whip to say to a good family who's trying to do their work, hey, get into the church and do our program in spite of your responsibility. And that's what pastors tend to do. They tend to use that as a license to say, well, Jesus made covenant relationships more important than blood, so make sure that you support our, our ministry. It's like, no, no, let's work with the family to make sure that our Ministries are empowering the parents. And let's always do that with the understanding that the parents' ultimate authority then works towards 
through the elders of the church, and then ultimately to the Lord, never as a standalone island. You know, I like that. That's uh, that's well said. No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't studied that uh, that passage in Mark with uh, <laughs> with that insight. I appreciate it. You're welcome. It's good to be here with you. Yeah. Uh, so one, yeah, one more, uh, one more thing. One thing that we haven't, uh, we've sort of pushed and prodded at this from a few different angles, but one of the big, uh, one of the big things that's also come up a lot in uh, in Christian media is uh, this issue of singleness. Yeah. Uh, what is the, what is the role of, so in God's economy of of those who have who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of God. Like what's the uh, what's the role in the in the church of the uh, the unmarried man or man and woman? Yeah, and um, you know, you also have the those who have those who are working out in their own their own life the um, the sorrow of wanting to be married yeah. but not yet at this stage in their life finding uh, a spouse. Um, Well, I think number one, uh, going back to that text that Jesus spoke on about our eternal inheritance or our, our eternal existence is not found in a sexual intimacy that leads to biological family in the new heavens and the new earth we will all be a mysterious perfect family so always being careful to point them towards god's eternal promises and say um at this point uh so particularly those who are struggling with the sorrow of not finding a spouse. At this point, this is the burden that the Lord seems to have placed upon you to carry. Um, some people, he places upon them the burden to adopt children. Some some people, uh, he places on the burden of losing a spouse after 10 years of marriage or a year of marriage. Or uh, like we all have the burdens of this fallen world to carry that the Lord asks us to carry with the hope of eternity in mind. For those who are dealing with the struggle or then have chosen to remain single in order to um, do the work of the ministry, uh, we see clear teachings in first Corinthians where Paul actually honors that position and says, I wish all of you could be like this. So you didn't have to deal with pleasing your husband or pleasing your wife. And so, um, we need to take care to empower those individuals. And even though we speak very healthily of marriage, we ought to be speaking healthily of singleness um me personally as a pastor i find i haven't found that many people who have um just 
turned their life uh, over to the Lord and said, I'm, I'm single because I choose to. I, yes, I find yes. more the case of individuals who are kind of saying, what does the Lord have in, you know, in this for me? And uh, we need to be a good family to those people because there are brothers and sisters in Christ. They can be our uncles and aunts uh, for our children. They uh, can be spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers within the church. Um, they're going to have a perspective uh, in some ways, a perspective that might remain a little bit more innocent if they're really guarding their hearts and, and pure. Um, you know, th- there's just an opportunity for them to bring a wonderful and unique perspective. And, you know, they are actually living out now what the rest of us will live out for eternity. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think that I think um, something to add would be just the just putting the pressure on at the right points. So we need to be putting pressure on everyone in our church for purity. Hmm. I hate the fact that I struggle with sexual sin in any way. I sure. just wish I could be this perfect, pure. Uh, vessel for the lord um when we're particularly when we're dealing with singles man if they want to be married i'm going to pray with them that god would grant them their heart's desire and that they would find a spouse um but i'm also going to be careful that my pressure upon them is purity and faithfulness Mm -hmm. not go get married so every time they come up to me and say, man, you preached another sermon on marriage and it um, highlighted my singleness for me again. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's like Mother's Day. Uh, we don't do Mother's Day at our church just because I don't want, I don't give the pulpit over for any other topic other than preaching through texts or gospel topics. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But like you have to be sensitive to... like. You don't want to demean motherhood just because there's some women in the church who aren't mothers. You don't want to demean fatherhood just because there's some men in the church who aren't fathers. But the flip side is in all cases, the pressure that we need to be putting on, the exhortation that we are preaching out of is purity and faithfulness. And so it's that single, I'm going to pray with them that God would that God would give them contentment in this time, that God would ultimately lead them to a spouse. But the flip side of it is when I'm just treating them and they're coming to me saying, you highlighted again my singleness. I'm going to be not putting pressure that they go out and find somebody. I'm going to be putting pressure that they express their spiritual giftedness in the life of the church. That we, um, I'm going to be putting pressure on other people to make sure they're welcomed into the, our homes and we're hospitable. And, and, and we're talking about sexual purity with them, not giving in to those temptations. I think that might be where we, uh, we just get off kilter a little bit where we, we, we need to exhort people who are singles. They don't get off. They don't get a a free pass of, yeah, I know. I know. I can't, I don't know what you're going through, so I'm not going to exhort you from anything scripturally, but what I put pressure on or my exhortation towards them is, this is the burden that the Lord has asked you to carry. Carry it to his glory. Um, and be faithful as you wait. 
I think that would help. Because sometimes when we're in conversations, we just assume that, you know, uh, we just assume, uh, we'll say something like, uh, you know, once we get you married off. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, man, I'm, I can't wait for you to find somebody. Like, we put, rather than, you know, my, I can't wait to see what God does in your life right now as you're waiting. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's how I would deal with singleness in the church. Mike, I really appreciate your time and, uh, your insight into this. Um, before I let you go, uh, what, uh, what would you recommend in terms of further reading, further study on, uh, on this subject of, uh, marriage, family, manhood, and womanhood? Well, uh, to shamelessly promote my book, <laughs> Pursuing a First Class Marriage, Find the One Without Trying Many. I think that's just a good book for any parents to get, read through and get some um, better resourcing for their own marriage and then to hand it off to their young adult and uh, have some honest conversations about maleness, femaleness, friendship, sex. I think our kids are dying to just have meaningful, a meaningful gospel informed vision for their own sex life and their own married life. Um, I'm trying to think of someone who's trying to think of someone who's dead just to go outside of the box. Um, I believe John Bunyan wrote uh, a number of uh, a number of articles on the duty of a husband and the duty of a wife. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, good catch. Uh, like uh, way out there for us as far as cultural sensitivity and political correctness, mm -hmm. but quite powerful both in his vocabulary and his uh, development of the ideas from his scripture. So yeah, those would be the two I'd leave with you. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Really appreciate you being here. Oh, what, what you have something else? Well, if you are willing to buy Tim Keller's book, the meaning of marriage at the same time that you buy my book on Amazon, it would help with my searchability and my algorithms. So you could yeah. buy that, but that's just, yeah. I've never read his book. So I would only do that in order to manipulate you. Yes. Yeah. So go and uh, go and find the most popular books on marriage and then also buy Mike's book at the same time. Yeah. Actually, uh, Douglas Raisonneau, I think it's a French name. Um, if I get that wrong, you'll just edit it out later. Oh, uh, I don't but, know. Uh, the, the celebration, celebration of sex. Uh, I have found uh, they've used it in uh, the marriage alpha course uh, over in the UK. And I found that book to be uh, very helpful as well. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, again, glad that you could be here. Thanks for, uh, thanks for your time. It's great. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for the invite. Have a great day. 
Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. Please take a moment to like, share, and rate the podcast on social media and your favorite listening platform. For more resources, please visit www.ezrainstitute.ca.